children are often told by adults uh, that they shouldn't interrupt. And uh, that's not a bad thing. You know, it's important that we begin to learn manners and we do that when we're young. And so instead of just interrupting somebody if they're in the middle of something or in the middle of a conversation with someone else, the polite thing to do is to say, excuse me, or you raise your hand, or you say, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but, you know, I'm bleeding and I need some attention. It better be important if you're going to interrupt, right? So the other thing that I've noticed, though, as I'm kind of watching around, is that more often than not, adults seem like they can interrupt children all the time, right? Daddy interrupts me sometimes. Put things away. Now we're going here. Now we're going there. They always interrupt. And that's just a part of being a child, right? Is that you have to take it. So anyway, I think about that only because of today's gospel lesson, which I think is fascinating. Um, the uh, story begins with Jesus in a crowd of people, and he's talking with Jairus, who is a leader of the synagogue in that town. His daughter was very sick, and he was afraid she was going to die. And then in the middle of that conversation, this other woman comes up to Jesus, and, you know, there's a crowd there, so she has to work really hard at getting in and getting close to Jesus, and she also is sick, but she thought that if she just touched the garment that he wore, like the prayer shawl, a lot of Jewish men wore prayer shawls. And so if she could just touch the fringe of that prayer shawl, she would be healed. And sure enough, she was. But in the middle of all of that, Jesus wanted to know, who it was and wanted to have a conversation with her. And she kind of interrupted his conversation with Jairus. And then after Jesus said, your faith has made you well, you're healed. Then the people from Jairus's house came and said, well, your daughter has died. And so uh, some people immediately thought, well, if Jesus hadn't been interrupted, maybe he would have been there in time and he could have made her well. But we know Jesus is something more than anybody can imagine and is very gracious, very powerful. We've seen him so far this summer still a calm storm, and we've seen him teach wonderful things to the disciples, and now we see him healing this woman and with Jairus's daughter, she had died, but all he had to do was hold her hand and she came back to life. And so it is an incredibly powerful story about Jesus. And the other part of the interesting part of the story is that um, people believed that Jesus had this power and they trusted that Jesus would care for them and would heal them and would make everything better for them. And one of the things I like the best is that 
Jesus didn't mind if he was interrupted. So maybe the invitation is this. We can pray anytime and always, wherever we are. And it doesn't matter if Jesus has a million other people praying at the same time. Jesus will listen to our prayer, just like he listened to the prayer of the woman, just like he listened to the prayer of the leader of the synagogue. Jesus is always there for us. And Jesus is never going to say to us, don't interrupt me. And that's a wonderful story. So this is our prayer. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that Jesus is patient with us, is kind to us, invites us to come to him in prayer all the time, anytime. And we're so grateful for all the healing and the wonderful things that he has done through us and in us and in our world around us. We'll always think of Jesus as the one who can heal and help us whenever we're in trouble. And we know we can go to him in prayer anytime. In his name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The book of Ecclesiastes says that there is an appropriate time for every matter under heaven. There is a time to mourn, for example, and there also is a time to laugh. Well, my niece and my nephew used to drive their parents to distraction by all of the inappropriate laughter that would come out of them at the worst times possible. At concerts or school programs, I can tell you several stories about how they started laughing during church. Um, even funerals would bring out these nervous giggles from them. In fact, when my nephew got married a few years ago, my brother told my niece that she could not look at him at any time during the wedding ceremony for fear of making him laugh. So maybe you know someone who reacts the same way. Maybe you're one of them. Today we hear in St. Mark the telling of a story that gets the time for tears and the time for laughter sometimes mixed up. Today's reading is really a tale within a tale. It's a kind of narrative sandwich made out of two stories that are woven together, which actually happens several times in the Gospel of Mark. The story begins with this desperate father, a leader of the synagogue, pleading with Jesus to heal his critically ill daughter. And it's no laughing matter. But then the story is interrupted by Jesus' encounter with a woman who has been ill for 12 years with chronic bleeding. In the midst of hundreds of grasping hands, Jesus feels a powerful connection 
with one of those hands because the woman believes that if she just touches his cloak, she will be healed. With everybody's elbows out, Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And in effect, the disciples respond, you've got to be kidding. What do you mean who touched you? Everybody's got their hands on you. They didn't really laugh out loud, but they didn't take him seriously either. In spite of their disbelieving comments, Jesus heals this faithful woman. Then some mourners come to the home from the home of Jairus to tell him that his father had died. So now there doesn't seem to be any point in having Jesus come all the way to the house to heal her. But when Jesus tells the crowd that she is not dead, but only sleeping, they laugh at him. Right there in front of everybody, the mourners laugh in the face of Jesus. The way Mark tells the story, it builds up to this dismissive language by grieving skeptics. These mourners were not the first to scoff at Jesus or to laugh in the face of what God was doing through Jesus or what God was doing in all of the world. Remember how old Sarah and Abraham each in turn laughed when they heard that God promised that they would bear a son and become forebearers of a great multitude? They had to laugh because for them, the promise was impossible from their limited point of view. Like old Abraham and Sarah, these mourners also didn't take Jesus all that seriously. And why should they? They know about death. And they know that death is an all too frequent and unwelcome intruder in the homes of both the old and the young. So this girl has died. What can Jesus do about death? But what they didn't know or didn't think about was what we've known all along, right? That with God, all things are possible. And God is about to show that and prove these skeptics, these mourners, these doubters wrong. In spite of their ridicule, Jesus goes to the house and restores this little girl back to life. The top and bottom of the narrative sandwich is disrupted by the story of the little girl. The inside of the sandwich is the story of the healing of the bleeding woman who has been to every doctor and tried every, every cure, but had not found any relief until she met Jesus. At first glance, we might think that these two stories are unrelated until Mark adds an interesting little afterthought into the story. He says, oh, and by the way, the little girl was 12 years old. And suddenly we sense that something more is going on here than two stories simply sandwiched together or accidentally mixed together by some scribe somewhere. 
the woman had also been sick for 12 years. So we begin to look for other connections. And one other connection is that Jesus addresses the woman who would have been considered unclean at the moment as a daughter. By touching Jesus, the woman threatens to spread her ritual uncleanness to Jesus. When Jesus takes the dead girl by her hand, he dares to make himself unclean because he transgresses another boundary by touching the dead. The healing touch of Jesus makes them well instead of making him unclean. You might say that Jesus plunders the realm of the unclean and even the realm of the dead to restore these two women to abundant life. Two needy outsiders now are daughters of God. Both the woman and the father of the little girl take Jesus seriously. Both believe that Jesus can restore their lives and both kneel before him. And the number 12 stands as kind of a sign that there is abundant life in Jesus, not only for an unclean woman or for a dead girl, but for the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples. That is life for the whole people of God. This interwoven story clues us in that Jesus is on the loose in the world with divine power to restore life and give abundant life to everyone. The psalmist says, God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of God's people. God gives a barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children in Psalm 113. At the end, those who doubted and those who laughed at Jesus stand there in speechless amazement. Mark awakens us to the abundant healing grace of God in Jesus Christ. In Jesus, there is hope and life and community for all. Meanwhile, we tend maybe in our own lives to let the gospel out only in dribs and drabs. We can be like the disciple who tried to keep his children away from Jesus. We can be like the disciple who didn't want to share their food with the hungry multitude for fear of not having enough for themselves. In reality, we are so stingy with what God so lavish, lavishly bestows upon us. We worry about who deserves our help or our food or our time or our money or our attention. We carefully calculate the conditions under which we will stoop to forgive someone. Meanwhile, 
when we're least expecting it, the Holy Spirit slips in behind us and pours onto us a river of grace. It is a good thing that God didn't ask whether we deserved it before God sent Jesus to save us and the Holy Spirit to knock some sense into us. When we experience the abundance of God's grace, we can't help but take Jesus more seriously. In Jesus, God has a way of transforming our dismissive laughter into tears of joy, our skepticism into speechless amazement. And when this happens for us, as it did for a desperate grieving father and a sick ostracized woman, we know what it is to be made whole. The gospel is full of promises that become our own when we begin to see and take Jesus seriously. Touch the gospel promises and take them to heart. Like this one in John, let your hearts be let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Or in Luke, today you will be with me in paradise. Or in Romans, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So can these promises be true? When we realize they can, everything in our life changes. Another thought, have you ever thought that you were invisible or out there on the fringes of life? How did that make you feel? So think a little bit in the weeks ahead about the woman in our story who somehow found courage to approach Jesus. She refused to be powerless any longer and she breaks through the social and cultural and religious barriers that have left her in isolation for 12 years. Reaching across the life boundaries that kept her apart, she shows extraordinary faith. And Jesus shows her kindness, calls her a daughter, gives her a blessing that brings her new life. This daughter is you and me. I don't know everything about what you've had to endure in your life or what you're enduring now, what you go through each and every day. I don't know how others have judged you or even why it's occurred, but I do know that something in each of us is yearning for healing, seeking a blessing, and yearning to believe in the one who can change us forever. And really, that desire is good enough. We don't need to worry about interrupting Jesus any longer. God's grace and healing and power is ours to receive anytime, all the time. Amen.